Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Today, I just want to talk about this idea of finding wholeness and healing in God's love. You know, it's a really, a really simple message, but I, I was going to comment on Valentine's Day. And it, it is interesting because, you know, you look at all of the imagery around, you know, St. Valentine, and he actually was martyred in, in 270. The guy, the guy that kind of a lot of this lore gets attached to was uh, martyred in 270 which the Catholic Church wasn't even formed until, you know, Constantine, early 300s. They would claim it started with Peter, but it's a misinterpretation. Let me just say that, you know, when Jesus was with the apostles and who are people saying that I am? And, well, you're, you know, Elijah or John the Baptist. And he says, probably the most important question for anybody on the planet, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the one sent from God. And Jesus says, yes. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And that, upon this rock, has been interpreted two ways. One interpretation, which is really kind of the basis for the Catholic church, is Peter, he's saying Peter is the rock upon which I will build my church. And then the, the accurate translation <laughs> is the revelation that he is the Christ is what his church would be built upon. And you tell a Catholic that, and they will maybe take a swing at you. As ex-Catholics, you're saying no. You wouldn't swing anybody, but yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore, Not anymore yeah. Now that you found the truth, no. <laughs> but I will say, not to burst the bubble, uh, it is a lovely story, and probably a big, a big part true that they were um, that he, and as Stacy pointed out, it kind of got spread out. There were other people that he kind of inspired that were doing these secret weddings uh, for people to be married. And a big reason was so that those guys could not, would not go off to war because if they were married, they didn't have to go off to war. So that, but that is very sweet of him to do is to save lives that way. But the Catholic Church, you got to give it to them because they really know how to celebrate a saint. I mean, look at this right here. That is the skull of St. Valentine. Yes, welcome to Forward Church. I'm showing you skull. This is in the Basilica of Santa Maria in Rome. And I just think it's fascinating. I mean, you know, if that is the guy, right? He, this guy. Happy Valentine's Day. And it's interesting because they have like a label, almost like one of those gun labels across the head that says S. Valentine. I just think this is amazing on so many levels. It's surrounded by flowers, you know. But uh, anyway, this guy, this guy laid down his life for the gospel. You know, that's the thing that we should remember is that in the 200s, I mean, we're talking not long after the resurrection, not long after the original apostles, and they have a lot of, they call these uh, relics. 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 Yeah. 
of the saints. I mean, they, they claim to have even some relics of Peter, you know, basically bones, but uh, I don't know. Happy Valentine's Day. I just think it's interesting. The love of God. I'm going to hear from that one later. My wife's shaking her head at me. <laughs> you know, I, I, when I think about the love of God, I think about a force that emanates from God. You know, to me, it's not just how he feels about you. You know, it's not just the emotions that God has for you. It is his motivation towards you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For whosoever shall believe shall not perish, but have everlasting life in him. Amen? Like when God looks at you and his first motivation towards you for anything is his love for you. And I think, I just see this probably because I've experienced it just in prayer and in worship, is that as he... His eyes are upon you. It's love that's coming out of him. And love as if it's a force, you know, like the, like the force of gravity or the force of strong or weak nuclear energy in the, you know, standard model of physics. I think in that spiritual dimension, there are forces. There's love. There's life. You know, his power is emanating. So his love, though, coming to you from that dimension is powerful. And it's not just you think something in relation to his love and then you feel a goosebump or something like that. Man, I'm telling you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your physical body. Like, how do you, what's he doing? Something is exchanging there. Something is taking place. And it's not just power. It's his intention towards you. It's his desire for you. It's what he reaches out to and, and reveals himself in. God is love. You're still laughing at the skull. Like if you could take God and put him under a microscope, that it would be what it would be love. Like that's what constitutes God. Love. And that's not to say love is God. God is love, but you can't necessarily reverse it and say love is God, love is love, and all that. You know, we're not gonna bend. but it's reaching out to you. And, and what he's doing with his love is healing and bringing you to this place of wholeness. You know, so for the last couple of weeks, we've looked at this idea, this passage, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is whole toward him. You know, and the, most translations say whose heart is perfect toward him. But when you look up that word perfect, it's the word salim in Hebrew, and it means complete or whole. And it denotes in a covenant of peace. And so what it's saying is you will experience God's strength as in your heart you know and experience your wholeness with him. You know, and it's unfortunate because a lot of us are trying to experience God from a deficit we tell him what our needs are. We tell him what we lack. We pray out of what we don't have. And it's like if you would actually just recognize the love that he has for you and recognize this new covenant that you are firmly rooted in, in him because Christ has secured it for you, and then you just rest in that, you rest in that, you are, your relationship is whole with God, 
Everything else comes out of that. You are complete in Him. You know, I'm working on this miracle series that I want to work on, and, and I'm just thinking, you know, I had this thought. It's like miracles or experiencing God moving in your life are not when you do something and convince God to move and He does something that fills a gap that you didn't have before. You know, mir miracle is more so tapping into a resource that is already within you and it becoming more true in your life than maybe what you're experiencing in this dimension. So the spiritual reality is you're whole, you're healed, you're made, you're safe, you're delivered from darkness, you are free from any demonic deception. There is nothing that separates you from God. That is all true of who you are in your spirit. And if you were to come out of your body right now, that's, where, that's the state that you would be in forever. And if we just could learn to realize that's actually the state that we're in now, but in this fallen world, our bodies and even our emotional states aren't really experiencing that reality, even though it's true, that's, that's, that, that's the personal journey of Christianity is to put on the new man and experience everything that he's given you in this new covenant. So if you want to experience the strength of God, you don't have to convince him to do anything for you. You rest in the fact that because of his love for you, He's given you everything. He's given you Christ. Christ is the whole of what God has to give you, and He's given Him to you. And in fact, He upholds this, this eternal covenant by Himself. It's the Father and the Son that uphold this eternal covenant. And you are in Christ, so you are a beneficiary of the covenant between the Father and the Son. You're a joint heir with Christ. Amen? So, so experiencing God is just... Man, how convinced am I of his love for me? I just want to rest in his love for me. And as you do, as your heart heals and becomes more whole, you just give yourself permission to experience the things that he's already given you. You know, think about it in our normal relationships. How, are, how good are you at letting people love you? You know, we're hurt, we're wounded, we're angry. Because we've experienced imperfect love from everybody. Nobody's given you perfect love, but he does. I mean, that's the struggle. Can I just let him love me? Because in his love is healing and wholeness. So I just want to walk through a couple of passages. And, <clears throat> you know, no great revelation, but if we, can, if we can let this be our mindset when we turn our hearts toward him or when we're seeking to have him engage in our lives, you rest. It's from a place of rest. And whatever you're going through, I mean, I'm telling you, I know. You've been hurt. Some of you are going through things right now. You know, you're, you're financially challenged. Some of you have a diagnosis or people that you love with one. There's marriages that are struggling. It's just all the stuff of life. There's hurts. But there's nothing better than basking in the love of God for wholeness and healing. And it's not that that's just going to fix all your problems, but what it does is it gives you such a peace that then you can deal with whatever's going on. That, that's what I want you to walk away from here with, right? It's like, all right, life is happening and it's not so rosy, you know? But I know who I am in Christ. I know God's love for me. And if I can, if I can experience that in my heart, then I can be positioned to experience his strength under whatever it is I'm going to deal with. And that doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to work out, but it doesn't have to change you. It doesn't have to shape you. It doesn't have to hurt you. Romans 5, 
8 and 9, <clears throat> but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that way we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God wants to save you. And saved is sozo, healed, made whole, delivered, restored, kept safe, rescued, prospered, delivered from messianic judgment, delivered from wrath. God, God's not mad at you. I mean, you guys know this, but there's people out there that don't know this. I mean, most people's view of God is that he's just slightly ticked off. He's a little bit upset with you. He's like, ah, you again? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to answer your prayer today. You think you need to suffer for a little while for it, but I'm going to answer your prayer. That's just not who he is. I know, I know, I know what happens. You start thinking about all the Old Testament stuff where he cleaned house, but you've got to realize... God fully revealed himself in Christ and he dealt fully with all of his wrath and judgment towards sin in Christ. And that is he provided himself a lamb so you wouldn't have to experience the wrath. Before the lamb, sin had to be punished in the body of the sinner. It's just divine justice. God is a righteous judge. All of, it's, there is a balance even in that spiritual dimension. But God loves you so much that he didn't want to punish you for your wrongdoings because he knows that if he did, you're done. There's no more life after that. There's no connection with him. You're done forever. So he provided himself a lamb. I don't think people even know that. You know, unbelievers don't, but there's a lot of Christians that don't really know that. You, I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but there's a lot of Christians that don't know what Jesus did on the cross. But let's tell them. And you could even just say this. Did you know that God's not expecting you to clean yourself up, that he loves you. In fact, he knew that you were messed up, and he loved you even in, the, even in that state. Well, that's true even for right now. Even in your state, God cares about you. He loves you. He wants to help you. So much more than, say much more. Much more. Now, ha having now been justified by his blood. Say, I am justified by his blood. It's legal. There's a legal word because there is a legal element in salvation, but you're justified. You're free. God's not holding your sin against you. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Again, this is basic, but I just feel like it's an equipping moment because we're being mobilized. The church needs to be mobilized. Do it in a way that's natural for you. Do it in a way of how you would have conversations. Don't put on the evangelistic ball cap and thinking, well, now I've got to become a different person and I've got to do this. No, just, just be willing to, in your daily life, go ahead and open, them out, open your mouth in given the opportunities. Because there's plenty of opportunities. I'm telling you, when you start looking for them, there's plenty of them. Just a few more passages. He saved us not by righteous deeds we have done, but according to his mercy. Say mercy. mercy. Praise God for his mercy. You know, so he, you're saved because of his mercy, but you're saved by grace. I always like to make the distinction. Mercy is uh, you deserve judgment, but he's choosing not to judge you. You deserve whatever, negative, rightfully so, but in his mercy, he chooses not to. Grace is a strengthening. Once you're saved, you live by this grace. Grace is power. 
You know, I would almost say his love working in you to bring you to a place of healing and wholeness is a function of his grace. Grace is his divine influence on your heart that brings capacity. When you, when you uh, are impatient and you pray and you feel a sense of patience rise up within you and you have access to this fruit that you didn't have on your own, that's grace. That's the fruits of the Spirit. And then when you feel compelled to pray for somebody and you see a miracle or emotional freedom, you know, I prayed for a girl over here and she just felt this weight lift off of her, you know, whatever it might be, uh, that's grace as well. And so it's like we get to administer his love for people. You know, when, when we're administering his spirit in a moment of prayer for other people, be conscious of his love for them. It's almost like, and, and we can, you can get goofy with this, you can get weird with it, but there is, there is substance to spirit, and there is some element of manifestation of spirit into this dimension. And it's almost as if we are distributing his love. We are administering his love. It's more than just an emotion that you make people feel. There's, there's, there's something to it. That's real spirit. That's real theological. I know, you know there's something to it. And because of this, because of, so you've been washed, there's a new birth that's happened, you've been renewed by His Spirit, and because of that, you will never experience God's wrath. Do you know that? You don't have to be afraid, ever. Some people have trouble with that. For the believer, you will never experience His wrath. Now, does that make you want to run out and sin? Does that make you want to make questionable decisions because you think you can get away with it because you're not going to be judged? Thank you. Because God has mercy on you. Why? Because He loves you. Just say that. God loves me. And He loves you with a perfect love. He knows what He's getting. He's not surprised. His love is whole. His love is the most mature, stable, realistic force. And he knows what he's getting himself into. And yet he chose to become just like you anyway. Now, I'm, I know that you guys know this. I know that this is super basic and elementary. I pray it ministers to you, but I just really feel like there's a season for us to be more vocal in our faith to people. The world doesn't know. How else are they going to know? How else are they going to know if we don't tell them? Now, don't think, you know, don't get all in guilt and, well, I'm not doing enough. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> None of us are. But just get over that. Be willing. Say, I'm willing. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I love this, and I've done this. I just think it's so interesting because you are commanded to love God. Love the Lord. That is a, that's the command. In fact, when they tried to trick Jesus, the lawyers came, the old covenant, or the, 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 the lawyers of the covenant of God, the Mosaic covenant, uh, they would ask Jesus questions, and they were trying to trick him with these legalities. And what's the greatest commandment? You know, they thought they'd trick him. And he quotes, this is what he quotes right here. But then he adds, and you shall love, you know, others. Uh, so basically, love God, love people. But it's a commandment. Love the Lord your God. But watch this. This is so interesting to me. 
1 John 4, 19. So here's your homework. Ready? Y'all ready for your homework? Read 1 John this week. Just read 1 John. Uh, there's only four chapters. Uh, is it four or five? Five. Uh, and I would dare say read it in the New Living Translation, if you can stomach those hippie translations. I like the New Living. I think it's pretty good. I don't know about that Passion Translation. A lot of people love that. But, uh, but, the, but the New Living, uh, especially 1 John chapter 4, read it in the New Living. I was going to read the whole chapter today, but I, I'll just give you that as homework. Do you read the Bible? I mean, you laugh. Yeah, yeah, I know. I Listen, I already know. But, but so here's, so you're commanded to love God. But this is so interesting. We love Him because He first loved us. Right? So love is a response. How do you command, how do you keep the greatest commandment? I just see this. God commands you to let him love you. If we love him because he first loved us, you're commanded to love him, and you love him because he first loved you, then what do you do? Okay, yeah, no. It's interesting. I almost feel like it's so hard to let people love us, especially a God that we can't see that he made it a commandment. Listen, you have to do this. You got to let me love you. Please. Because I, I know you're hurting. Trust me, it's going to be good for you. And how do you do that? You, you really, you just, you, you know, this is where you engage your imagination and you, and you go into some level of intimacy paying attention to what he did for you, thinking about why he did the things that he did for you. And it was for you, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I love this because this is, this is what love will do in your life. And I, we, read, we end up reading this in all different facets. This is Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. But we read it in all these different facets. To me, it's a description of the function of grace this is like, in other words, this is what grace is doing. This is how grace works, even though it never really mentions the word grace, but it's all about his love. You know, faith works by love. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, how does it work? Why can you walk by faith and not by sight? It's because you know that God loves you. You know that he's right there with you. You know that he's for you. You know that he's seeking to show himself strong on your behalf. You know that he's not mad at you. You know that he's not holding your sin against you. Yes, you know that he wants to point out to you, hey man, you need to clean that up. Stop that. It's killing you. It's, re it's wrecking your witness. It's destroying your capacity to have a good relationship with the people around you. Stop it. He will, he will point out those things, but why? Not because he's threatening to throw you away, not because he's threatening to judge you, but because he loves you. He wants to see you healed and made whole and restored and lifted up so that you're a pillar of strength. You know, so first off, because you're his child, he loves you. He wants you to experience everything that he has for you. Ephesians 3 says that he would, this is a prayer of Paul, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit 
You need strength, he's strengthening you inwardly. Uh, so, you know, I get it, the Old Testament thing, God's searching the, you know, the eyes of the Lord to and fro. Well, now God's on the inside of you seeking how he can make you strong from the inside. There, I fixed it. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Say inner man. God lives in me. Say that. God lives in me. That Christ may dwell in your heart. So to me, this is an interesting distinction he makes. He's in your spirit. You're joined. You're one in spirit. But in your heart where your beliefs are, where you live from, where you make decisions, where that self-image is, where that place where you, that deeper stuff that drives your desires beyond your natural thoughts, you know, all that stuff that kind of compels you into this life that's programmed in there, that's where your heart is. You want Christ to dwell in your heart because that's the place where you're trying to sort out the, the brokenness and the, the deception and the lies and all the stuff that keeps you from experiencing relationships with people and experiencing what God has for you in this inheritance and this new covenant that you're anchored and safe within. You want to let Christ into that place. You want to let the anointing in there. You want to let His love into those, those areas. And I love that He makes the distinction. It's like through His Spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And then he goes into, how, you know, what, what's the power of it? That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height and to know. And that word know is this word that, that denotes experiential knowledge. To know the love of God, of Christ, which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And the language denotes bringing you to this place of wholeness. Here's the thing. You actually are already there in your relationship with Him. And, and, I, and, I, and I just want to make the point that there are people, you know, you guys are a bunch of mature, well-rounded, healthy, non-sinning Christians. But the people out there that God's trying to bring in this church aren't. So be ready. Are you with me? And to the degree that you let yourself experience this wholeness, you can minister to other people. Man, we minister out of our woundedness. We minister out of our anger, out of our hurt, or we don't minister because of those things. I'm telling you, man, you, you owe it. Can I say this? You owe it to the world around you to be made whole. Because there are people that God's like, you know, it's like you're walking. God's like, ooh, let's go talk to that one. Wait, 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 okay, I'll get somebody else to go talk to him, I guess. <laughs> to be made whole, that you're filled to all the fullness. And then last one, back up toward Ephesians 2. But God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So, you know, I mean, when you could do nothing for him, he loved you. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come. Now, I think about this because this is what a promise. What a promise in the ages to come. And there's debate about what that means 
and it could be ages still in this particular time frame, but it also relates to eternally. So after the final judgment and then what, you know, life goes on after the final judgment, like, like uh, that there's going to be an eternal life and we don't really know what all that is, but it's going to be amazing. It's going to be better than what we're experiencing now. I can promise you that forever. And I think in that age, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's just the nature of God to want to be kind to you. And forever, He's going to show you the riches of His grace. You will ne we will never find the end of His love for us. He is so much more vast than we realize. You know, we think God's sitting there and He's just looking at this planet all day long trying to figure out what, how to fix, you know. It's like, no, listen, He is... Honestly, I'm not trying to account. I'm not trying to make a case for other planets and dimensions and all that. Who knows? We'll go. We'll we'll figure that out when we get there. I know I can't help myself. All the all the quantum geeks are like, oh yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> but you know, I, I, it's, it's really just the most simple. And and maybe you got to change the way that you see God, and in a big way, you'll help others change how they see God. But when God looks at you. His first response. You know, you know, they say that you can tell how somebody really feels about you when they turn and they see you and those micro expressions. You know, don't, don't go around judging people that way, by the way. You know, maybe they just had a bad taco or something and they saw you and they're like, I don't know about it. Oh, they hate me. <laughs> but, but, but. If you were to catch God's first expression when he sees you, it's nothing but love. Really. I, don't, I can't think of anything more simple, but I also can't think of anything more profound. That this is how you see God. And this is how we represent God. And because of this, we're equipped with amazing power that is also within him to go around and help people understand the true nature and character of who God is. It's all I want to do. You on board? Amen. And I'll plug again the Spirit, Soul, and Body course because a lot of this is helping. You know, so much of what, we're, what I want to teach in this body is identity, helping us understand who we are in Christ because everything comes out of that. You know, then like if you get people to a place of wholeness and you don't have to teach on every little detail, but then they start to follow the Spirit on their own and then you have a body that's like, man, get out of my way. I don't, you know, I don't need anybody teaching me. Then church becomes community. Church becomes, you know, encouragement and support for each other. And I'm just, you know, and I want to speak to the online people because it's, it's really kind of heartbreaking because, I don't know, every week I hear from somebody who found us online or has been watching regularly and you don't have a church in your area and you've tried and it's difficult. I mean, and I, I catch myself saying this to people, just go find a church. <laughs> You're not feel, you know, it's hard, right? Go find a church that's least loving and supportive of each other, right? Uh, and, and send us a bunch of money so we can raise up a pastor and send you a pastor. <laughs> 
that is part of the vision. I, again, I've got two series in my mind. I've got this healing series, and I got this vision series, and that's one of the things I see is us raising up. But so I'm trying to keep it all focused on what we're talking about today, and that is the skull of Saint Valentine. One more time. <laughs> oh man. Let's just stand up and put our attention on him. Jesus, thank you. Man, thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We don't have to walk around with the yoke of the world. The, the idea that now we got to go save the world. It's just unrealistic and idealistic. But I can make an impact on the people around me. And that's what I want to do. Father, help me experience your wholeness. Help me experience healing just because of your love for me. And let, and let the past go and the pain go and the hurts go. And, and I'm, I'm committed to rooting and anchoring myself into your love and letting your love be the fertile ground that I draw nutrients from to bring healing to my soul, to my mind. I will let you love me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Father, I just thank you that you're ministering love to people even in this moment. Just a compassion for people. Helping us see others how you see others. Helping us love one another so that we're examples of what your body should look like. And then we go out into the world and love others and yield to your Holy Spirit in all sorts of ways to bring healing and wholeness, deliverance to people. We thank you. Thank you that you love us. Amen, amen, amen. amen.